Bless you, Trevor. Most of you know this story, but I think several of you don't. I had the honor of leading Trevor to Christ. And I have to tell you, it was the most unique conversion experience. He's smiling back there. We were sitting in my automobile. We had revival meetings at our church in Cheyenne. And uh, God was working on his heart. And uh, it was after the Sunday evening service, last service of the weekend. He had asked me, I want to go talk. And we had no place to go, but we'll, we'll go sit in the car, you know. That's where we had. And um, <clears throat> so we get there, and he just starts pouring his heart out, pouring his tears out. Broken young man. It's a beautiful sight. Brings tears to his eyes, tears of joy. And he got all done, and he got born again, sitting in the passenger seat of my car. And he went to sleep. He did. <laughs> hey, you know, when you're at peace with God, there is peace. It was beautiful. I'll never forget it. It's good. Well, I have a message this morning. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I'm a little self-conscious, so help me just to... Lay that at ease. It's 11.15 and Brother Mike is about to preach. It's like, okay. We'll see how long we go. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter. I have one written down here, but I think that's wrong. It's chapter 2, I believe. <clears throat> As an opening passage, First Peter chapter two, I'm going to read verses one through twelve. <clears throat> Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Wherefore also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not the people, were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of of visitation. There's a lot there. But what I wanted to emphasize to you as a word of encouragement, there's a lot of things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things 
the children of God are called. Lively stones, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or purchased people, the people of God, and strangers and pilgrims. Ten things there. If you are a child of God, this is what you are. And I hope that's encouraging to you. It is to me. Encouraging words. What God has made His people. What you are. Okay, now. Just to kind of get you started off. This is how God looks at you. Now, He does have instruction for us. And guidance on how to live this out. If you read again, down at verses 11 and 12, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God, in the day of visitation. Dennis was asking the question, what's the balance of living out that holy life that we are all called to live out without compromise in a lost and dying and sick and sinful world and yet have the fruit of the Spirit, love, being the predominant fruit of our life? where we are truly a peculiar people, different. And yet people can look and say, yeah, but they love people. I went there and I felt loved and accepted by these people. They're weird. They're different. They dress different. They act different. They, they preach different. But they sure love people. Amen. This is another one of a typical Brother Mike messages where just I, mean, I want to encourage you to live out your life and run the race. And, and it's like that's all you ever hear from me, it seems like. It's kind of how I tick, I guess. And you hear that a lot from a lot of brothers in a congregation. And I thought about it again, and I thought, why is that? Especially for those of you right here in front. You know why that is? It's because we love you. That's why. And you can look at the parents and say, well, we're just kind of a ragtag bunch. And, you know, let's admit it. We are. We, you know, you could go ask mom and dad and say, mom, do you, dad, do you guys, do you think you know what you're doing? I bet you every one of them would say No. I'm trying, though, and we have a desire to launch another generation, which is, I'm beginning to believe, is maybe the biggest challenge on planet Earth today is for a, a set of parents to point their children in such a way that they follow in their footsteps and they carry on the torch of Christ. I was so encouraged by the discussion that I heard this morning. It was all about selflessness and wanting to bless others. And when someone begins to court, a recognition that someone who's not courting can actually have an influence 
He can either be selfish and say, well, fooey on you. You're not my friend anymore. I guess you, you're gone, aren't you? You're over the hill, over, over the top. Or, amen, praise God, you're courting. That's fantastic. That's wonderful news. Oh, man, I was sitting back there. Yes, and amen. People will see that. That's love at work. And then there was discussion about, well, you know what? We've got more coming behind us. And how can we help them to carry on the testimony, the life that God calls us to live? That's a, that is so encouraging to us older guys. Because that's been our heart's desire. Is that there would be a desire to want to press on. To want to go forward. And yet we, we stand here, sit here and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. You've got to help me. I can't do this. Somehow. I don't have the wisdom. I know that you do. Help me. Help us. John 14. So, to share my heart a little bit here, I just want to encourage you. God has direction, guidance for us to live. Principles for us to live by. That honor Him, His testimony, His name, His word. And that's His whole whole desire is for us to live lives that honor Him and glorify Him. He deserves that. He deserves that from us. We owe Him everything. He's given us His very best. We owe Him everything. And when that happens, and we surrender, we talked about it earlier, that will, He gets honored and glorified. He gets seen by people out there. By people in here. He gets seen. And people will have the choice either to accept Him or reject Him. It's up to them. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are people seeing Him through me? John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, There you may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me under the Father but by me. I am the way. You ever wonder, what is the way? You scratch your head and what is the way? Pick this up. It is the way. We, we have no excuse here in this land. We have these. The way. <clears throat> he is the way. He told us. He told the disciples. <clears throat> book of Matthew he said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth it's kind of a I just want you to know something my disciples and he would say the same thing to us all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth You got that? (laughs) That's kind of what I hear him saying there. You understand, children? Okay. Yes, Lord. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Those of us in the more conservative circles, I would say, I've seen, I've seen this in myself. I've seen it in other brothers and sisters. Putting an emphasis on this last verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And we say, see, everything. Do what Jesus told us to do. But it's real easy to get an attitude towards others that we think are not doing everything that Jesus told them to. And we forget that Jesus told us to do this. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Yes, do all things he told us to do. But not with a critical eye and a critical spirit towards everybody else. And I, I'm sure probably all of us could say, I've been guilty of that. Man, I sure have been. Thinking that, you know, I've got some things figured out and you know what, they don't. Well, God would say, well, there's a lot of figuring out you need to do too here, young man here. So uh, we need to sit down for a while and have a talk. You need to change your heart attitude. Again, finding that balance of living out an uncompromising life in this, in this world, just not easy without a critical spirit and judgmental attitude towards anybody else because we're not any better than anybody else. We're not any more special than anybody else. None of us. <clears throat> so, that said, first point, point, be aware. Watch. Go over to 2 Timothy, pretty please. Second Timothy, familiar passages, I know you're familiar with them. I'm going to start in verse, I mean chapter 3, read a little bit of chapter 3 and a little bit of chapter 4. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And again, I, I'm just... My heart is living out the way. Jesus is the way. It's, and it's His way. It's His definition of His way. And not us trying to uh, help Him find His way so He can teach us. No. He knows the way. We need to submit ourselves and say, Lord, teach us your way. How do we live this out? Because there's a lot out there that's not the way. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness. He just listed quite an unsavory group of people. And then he says, these, yes, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Man, does that describe our society today? You know, it said there in First Peter, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. I think it's implied in that verse. I don't think I'm stretching this when it says, He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Well, that means that he that does not believe on him shall be confounded. You have... Where else are you going to live but in confusion when you have not the truth to clearly show you the way? We have a society and a culture that, man, I tell you, I, I didn't know we could get this confused as we are as a, as a people group here. You talk about messed up. What are they saying now? There's 72 different genders? Something like that? I'm sorry. I, I shake my head. And I don't mean to be, again, critical of anybody. But really? I, I, that's confusing to me. Uh, it's pretty simple. God made Adam and then he made Eve. And that's pretty simple. And, but it's, it's a people group that have rejected and chosen not to believe. And so what can we expect but confusion? They're not going to have the truth. They, they, they don't want the truth. They don't love the truth. And so they're being turned over to strong delusion there. It, it says, I think it's another place in Timothy there. Um, but, uh, I mean, that, that just describes this right. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You've got people that are saying, you can have your faith and have an abortion at the same time. Okay, that's confusion, but that's what we can expect. And, well, let's go on to chapter 4, then I'll share a few extra thoughts here. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. What's that? Uh, I shared it with you one time. I heard it at the, the weekend that Tre uh, Trevor got born again. It was uh, Stanley Fox brought it up. But he mentioned there's only two times to share the gospel. When you feel like it and when you don't. Okay, that makes sense. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with... Again, he's embraced truth. Embrace the way, his way, but how? With long-suffering and doctrine. Long-suffering. Not out of a critical spirit. Because you love people and you want to see them grab a hold of truth. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That, uh, ew, I, hate to, I don't want to stretch scripture, but can, is it okay to say the time has come? But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn and be turned unto fables. 
Watch thou in all things. Watch. There it is. Watch. Endure afflictions. Endure. Watch. Endure. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Watch. Endure. The last days. There shall be perilous times. This is what it's going to be like. This is what people are going to be like. That is perilous. I don't think anybody would even, whether, if you, if you look at the just political groups, they both would probably say, these are perilous times because they don't think like I do. And they're saying that to each other. They would all say, yeah, these are perilous times. Yeah, they are. But what we have to do is make sure that we don't get swept up and swept away. Even just a little bit. Because just a little bit off, 20 years down the road, you're, you're way out. You're not even in the stadium. You're, you're past left field. You're not even in the park. Watch. Endure. <clears throat> There's verses that talk about... Uh, The devil being hard at work to wear out the saints and to wear down and to overcome them. And Jesus warned his disciples in Matthew 24, they're going to hate you. They're going to kill you. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. But he that shall endure, the same shall be saved. It's conditional. It implies that those that don't endure won't be saved. So they heap itchy uh, uh, teachers that tell them what they want to hear. This is happening now and has been. The wisdom of old men is despised and youth is embraced and idolized. How do I, I have no idea, but I wonder how many billions and billions and probably billions of dollars are poured into, I'm going to call it the vanity business. All because we idolize youth. Dean, Dean Taylor called it, our society looks at... Uh, we're told to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Well, our society looks at beauty and calls that holiness in the holiness of beauty as they define beauty. And so you have a business, you know, where clothes and attire and hair and makeup and all that, all wrapped around vanity. How many billions and probably tens and hundreds of billions? I don't know, but it's a lot. Vanity's a moneymaker. Social media, if you care to look at it closely, is about vanity and pride and the pride of man. The wisdom of the old is despised. Youth is embraced. You know, I, I was looking back when I was a young Christian back in the 80s. And you tell me, too, brother. I don't remember back then hearing much in the way of warning us young ones back then of the times ahead to beware, to watch. Um, I don't remember hearing that much. Did you, Bob? Okay. See, that's what I wondered. Um, and I think about our, our church group right here, and you young people are probably going to say, man, that's all we ever hear. And I sit back and say, 
Amen. That's okay. Praise the Lord. You can grow up and say, man, every Sunday morning, man, we were told, we were warned. Follow Jesus with all your heart and don't get sidetracked with everything off to the side. It's a trap. It's a lie. Just follow Jesus with everything inside of you. If that's what you get out of your growing up at your church, then hallelujah. That's a good thing. Because that's a good message. And us old folks, we, we still need to hear it. But, um, yeah, I just got to thinking about that, you know, and, and I just, and so look at evangelical America today, where it's at. You know, I'll, I'll say this roughly about 40 years ago. I heard a preacher say one time, the world is here and the church is here. 20, 40 years ago, he said this. He said, 20 years ago, the world was here and the church is here. Now, today, the world is here and the church is here. And I fear over the last 40 years, it's, it's been going steadily like this. To where you can't even hardly tell the difference anymore. I don't want to sound critical. God met me right where I was. And I am so grateful to God that He put the people across my path at a critical time when I had just gotten saved. And I didn't know where to go. And God put me in a little charismatic church. And I grew there. And I was grateful there. And I'm grateful to God for the people that put me there. Because I didn't know what to do. I just I needed to get saved. That's all I knew. Where do you find what do you do after that? I, I don't know. I just need to get saved. And praise the Lord, He did save me back then. But uh, so I, I, I don't I want to remind me of Matthew seven that I just read a little bit ago. I don't I don't want to be judgmental. But at the same time, we've got to we've got to warn against false teachers and, and, and directions that entire church groups and people groups are going and say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Is it the way that Jesus taught? Is it his way? Or is it man's way? And they want to tag Jesus along with it. You know, I shared a few weeks ago that uh, it's just really troubled me. And I, I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not angry at Rick Warren. I'll say his name. It's, he's been in the news. And, you know, he ordained three women pastors this past year. And, and uh, I, I'm not upset at him or anything. I'm not upset at anybody there or the women that chose to go ahead and be ordained. Um, but it, it troubles me. I don't know how much clearer Scripture can be when it comes to God-ordained authority in a church and those who are ordained by God to teach and preach and have authority. It doesn't make men any more special. They're not. And you say, well, why did God set it up this way? All right, good question. Ladies, girls... God created you just the way He did. A major purpose is to make you an example, a picture to the world of the church of Jesus Christ. Men, old men, young men, God made you the way He did. A major purpose so that you could be a picture to the world of Jesus Christ Himself. To the church. And He invented marriage. He made it on purpose. It's a mystery. You read it in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. He knew exactly what he was doing. We're going to have a wedding here for too long. A beautiful picture of that great wedding that's going to take place when the King of Kings comes to get his bride. It's all on purpose. And when you start messing with that order that's put into place, you bring in a confusing testimony. And it gets people confused. It's a beautiful purpose that God designed for both women and men. And it's got to have both. To have that picture of a wedding especially. 
Think if Jesus came to come get His bride and there was nobody there that got saved. The whole world was lost and there was nobody. You think there'd be a wedding? There's not going to be a wedding. If you don't have a bride, you're not going to have a wedding. They're pretty important. Same thing on the flip side. If Jesus decided, well, I'm not going to come get my bride. Forget her. Boy, that'd be pretty broken. That'd be crushing to us, wouldn't it be? Would there be a wedding? There's not going to be a wedding. you got to have both. And it's all to give the world a clear picture of that. Of Jesus Himself. His Word. His truth. His way. It's not that one's more important than the other or vice versa. What's important is the truth and the way of Jesus Christ. His testimony. His honor. His glory. His majesty. And when we willingly submit ourselves to His will, His way, He will be seen through His people. I hope that makes sense. So God ordained that men be the leaders in the church, those that have authority from Him to teach and preach. It honors Him. And when you start messing with His... It's a principle here. It's a biblical principle that's getting messed with. We've got to watch out when people start messing with biblical principles. Okay? I mean... I remember the time... I might have shared this before. Some of you may have heard this. Some of you may not. You know, you know, out in Cheyenne, they have the Sacrifice of Praise weekend. I think they still have it. I'm not sure out there. But the very first one that we had back 2011, that sound right? Um, we had the weekend, and we got invited to go sing at, a, at an Assembly of God church there in Cheyenne. And uh, uh, the pastor there... In his growing up years, the Lord had used Mennonite people to minister to his life. So that he had an openness to people like us. And uh, <clears throat> and so he said, yeah, you want to come sing for us on the weekend? Yeah, sure. And so we came and we sang. And man, the people just drank it up. They loved it. And, uh, and, and I shared about a 10 or 15 minute devotional there. I look back on it, I, I regret that I didn't forewarn the pastor and ask his permission. He was the authority over that church. I wish I had done that differently. Um, but I got up there and I preached, and, and I, you know, here I am the way I am, believing what I believe in now, and I'm at, at you know, a Pentecostal church where I used to, to be, and it's like, oh man, here's my opportunity, you know. But yet, I, I don't want to. You know, I want to preach truth, and I don't want to have them throw me out the door at the same time, you know. And uh, so I'm preaching about just the simplicity of trusting God's Word and what it says. And whatever it says, trust Him and let's obey. And the one I was getting the loudest amens from out of the congregation was the lady assistant pastor. And I'm, I think I was able to hide it pretty good, but I was... In my mind, I was scratching my head saying, Lord, how do I deal with this? I, what's, okay. Hmm. But uh, it seemed to go over okay. And uh, they had us back the next year. And they would have had us back year after year. Uh, they just loved us. And, and we loved them. And, and uh, But, yeah, that was interesting. But my point, I guess, is, is just there's confusion. And... It's right and good and honoring to Him and it's good and healthy for us when we just simply embrace His truth. We don't try to excuse anything away or argue about it. This is what His Word says. Let's trust Him and follow Him and submit to Him. At the same time, well, I mean, other principles that, that are 
kind of blatant out there, you know, conforming to the world, conformity to the world. You heard me speak on this recently, focusing on the experience, having the experience on Sunday morning, but then just living like whatever, Monday through Saturday. Uh, and, and again, the focus on, on being young, on the emphasis on youth, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I find this humorous. When you see two or three, four Harley Davidsons come up to a gas station and pull up, and here's here's the guys that are dressed up in their leathers, they got their helmets on, they're just looking tough. And then you see you see him get off. He takes his helmet off, and here's this 75-year-old guy just can barely walk like this. And I, I'm sorry. I just, I want to say, buddy, it's okay to get old. None of us can help it. You know, you don't have to try to, to look tough when you're not. Okay, you're not tough anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not tough anymore. And... Uh, I, I just maybe that maybe I shouldn't have said this. I don't know, but it's just an example of our society just wanting to hold on to everything on this life, including some semblance of youth. Even when we know we're not, we want to pretend that we are. We've got to let go. It's his way, and embrace those gray hairs. They're coming. I, they're, I'm sorry, they're coming. It's okay. We don't have to focus on that kind of stuff. That's at its purest form. When you step back and you look at the root problem, it's called idolatry. It's putting me on this throne that sits right here. In me wanting to hang on to me instead of recognizing that I owe it all to him. He bought me and purchased me and paid for my filth and my sin, paid the debt that I could never pay. I could never pay. Never, ever, ever. The people that die without Christ and eventually will get cast into the lake of fire, they'll never be able to pay it off. There's not a time frame where you, okay, you've been there a hundred trillion years now, you can get out. It ain't going to be that way. Okay. At the same time, this is where I want to distinguish a few differences here. Conformity to the world, non-conformity to the world is a, is a principle. We're to be conformed to Christ, have our minds renewed. He wants to make us more like Him. And it's not going to make us like the world. It's not going to make us dead religious people either. Not even close to that. But you say, well, what were a few examples where maybe some things, well, okay, that don't matter. <clears throat> where there's principles still being honored, but maybe practiced in a little different way. Trevor, can I use you again as an example? In the little lake there, close, close to the, the airport there in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, we were kind of, you, your grandpa, Grandpa Eddie was there. And I, I remember distinctly having a sweet time of fellowship with him the day of your baptism. We had a sweet visit. And uh, bless me. I'll never forget it, but it was kind of, you were kind of honoring him. Is that, is that right? Um, he came from Nationwide Church? Eastern, okay, Eastern. Even probably a little bit more conservative than Nationwide then. And uh, they practiced pouring for their baptisms. And I remember, I was, at the time, I was kind of on a sabbatical at that time, and so I wasn't much in the discussion, but there were some discussions, if I remember right. You know, what do we do here? You know, this is, Grandpa's going to be there, and 
And uh, we just decided, you know, we'll pour Trevor and Emily and we'll dunk the other two. And that's what we did. And I remember in my mind, I was, I was kind of struggling a little bit with it. Some of you have heard this before, I know. Some of you, uh, several of you probably haven't. But when I saw Gerald Nold, he baptized Trevor. And he had a gallon pitcher. And he put it in the water and he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Boosh. And in the name of the Son. Boosh. And in the name of the Holy Ghost. Boosh. Three times. He had three gallons of water dumped on him and he was good and soaked. And I said, okay, Lord, thank you. I feel better. And he was baptized. And his sister Emily. And I have no, not a shred of doubt in my mind. God honored that. God looked and said, This is my son. Getting baptized for me is good. And the other two got poured. I mean, uh, dunked. And it was a joyous baptism. It was a beautiful time. It was good. There was a lady in our, our church that time, and uh, her and her husband had made a difficult decision in leaving the nationwide church there, that, the nationwide Mennonite church that was there, and they started attending ours and became members. And I, I don't remember all the details, but the Lord had convicted her that... And she had a, a reason for it. That when coming to church, she just felt strongly she should continue to wear her cap and not a hanging veil. And, you know, we thought about it and thought, well, okay. The main thing was the principle was still being honored. And it was never an issue. It and I've, even to this day, I think maybe she still might. It was never an issue. It wasn't worth making an issue because principles were still being honored. Okay? There's, there's the difference. <clears throat> Are you looking to compromise biblical principles? Major red flag. Whoa, where are we going? These folks are honoring biblical principles. Maybe they do it just a little bit different than we do. Okay, fine. But, but they're honoring the principles. That's a big thing to look out for. <clears throat> My encouragement is just we've, we've got to watch. We've got to look at life through this lens as we walk, as we go. There will be a falling away, the Scripture says there. <clears throat> One of the things that... Oh, no, never mind. We are going to be a peculiar people. I was thinking about it. And the, just the way things are going, the way American Christianity is going, the way the world is going. You know, they got bumper stickers up in Portland that say, keep Portland weird. And I thought, well, maybe we need to get some and say, keep Christians weird. Because as the things go along, we're going to become more weird and more weird and more weird. Are we okay with that? What matters is what he looks and sees. Is he seeing himself in us? Is he seeing wills and hearts that are surrendered? No matter what it says, Lord, I trust you. I'll follow you according to your word. I want to share a story with you. I've never shared this story from behind a pulpit. I've shared it a number of times. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
think most all of you know, I grew up on a farm. I've got stories from the farm, and I've got one more today. <clears throat> My dad raised a small herd of cows. So, yes, this one involves cows. Every now and then, some of you that grow up on the farm, if you have livestock, you've, you've had even puppies and pigs and goats and whatever it is it might be, sometimes a cow, when she's in labor, she just is struggling and just can't quite deliver, and we have to do what they call pulling a calf. Sometimes it gets serious enough that you've got to call the vet and have him come out and help you. Sometimes you call your son and go have him go out and help you. <laughs> so, so my dad did a number of times. And normally, when my dad could tell, he needs to get this cow in the barn, and we need, we need to pull this cow. She's, she's not going to make it. And if she don't make it, the calf's not going to make it, and that's going to hurt his business. That was his livelihood. He raised cows, he raised bulls, and he'd sell them every year. <clears throat> some years were good, some years were not so good. Uh, but we would get him in this, in this barn. Well, this one, one time, I can't remember for the life of me how it ended up this way, but here's, here's, over here's a corral. This is a small little corral. Over here was the chute where you load them up in the truck and you haul them off. And this was a little runway here. And this was the squeeze chute. We don't even know what a squeeze chute is. Okay, most everybody here, that's, that's a big apparatus made out of steel that opens up. It's got a gate on, on the, the back side of it and an opening on the front side. And you run that cow through there. And before she gets out the other end, you clamp down on her with that head uh, adjustment in front, and, you, and, and the, the whole thing can squeeze in on her, and it squeezes her, and the, the back gate drops, and you've got her, and you can work her. You can give her a vaccination, or if she's got my dad, he, I marvel at my dad sometimes. What an example of the shepherd that watches over the flock. He'd notice if his cows, some of them had pink eye. And I uh, said, hey, come help me out. i got to get this cow in here. we gotta, we got to doctor her eye up. Uh, wow, Dad, how do you see that? I mean, he just he knew what to look for. And he watched over his, his herd. And uh, that's what you use a squeeze chute for. Well, one, one time, I, I can't remember how this happened. But we got this cow, and she was in labor, and she wasn't very cooperative. Imagine that. And he imagined, he, he, he managed to, to get a halter put on this cow and wrap the halter around the post. He had a way to get these big railroad ties, big, tough posts, build fences out of. With dealing with cows, you need some big ones. And he wrapped this into this halter around that post right there, and we're going to start pulling this calf coming this way. She just wasn't very cooperative. The barn was over here. It was all much nicer if you could get her in a stanchion, close in on, and then she can't go nowhere. But he got her right there for some silly odd reason, and he got the, it, it's a chain with the two lengths on the ends are bigger than the rest of the lengths, so you can make a loop, and you get that loop, you make that loop with the chain, you get it around the calf's feet. Okay, they've got ankles there, you get it around there, it tight, you pull on it, it tightens up, and you can begin to pull the calf. Okay, well, we start pulling this calf, he gets the chain around the calf's feet. We start pulling this calf, trying to pull this calf. Well, this cow is kind of, the, the rope stretches. The cow somehow stretches. <laughs> and we start backing up, and all of a sudden, my dad and I, we're back at the back of the squeeze chute. <laughs> and we can't go nowhere. I mean, we don't have enough room, so open up the gate to the squeeze chute. <clears throat> okay. We open up the gate. So now, 
We're inside the squeeze chute, trying to pull this calf out, and the stretching force just seems to keep working. I don't know. And we get clear to the front of the squeeze chute. So, well, we got to open up that thing now. And so we're, we keep backing up and backing up and backing up, got a hold of this chain. And hot wire. <laughs> right there. And we're backing up and we're backing up and pulling this calf and all excited. Oh, you got it? Okay, yeah, fine. All right, set this. And I, my leg starts hitting that hot wire. And I'm pulling back, and all of a sudden it was. It was and I'm saying, what's going on? What is this? You know, I, what have I done? You know? My dad, you have to understand, has a hold of that same chain. My dad, he's up there saying, I'll never forget it. What's going on? He said, I, you know, he's feeling it all too. That chain is also still attached to that calf's feet. All of a sudden, that calf's going, hey, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, and we're saying, welcome to life, you know. That calf is still attached to that cow. So the cow's getting, getting hammered. All four of us are getting buzzed by this. And my dad, he wasn't. When it came to putting electricity in the wires, he did not believe in being gentle. He just, he, it would put him down. And it was really something. That cow, she started bellering. He thought she was bellering before. She didn't like that either. She's, you know, nobody warned me about this. And uh, as I recall, we lived through it. Everybody lived. Obviously, I did. But it was really something I'll never forget. My dad and I, we looked back and laughed at that for years. But I want to, as silly and as funny as that whole thing was, the point I want to make is this. My help that I was trying to give to my dad was sincere. I was sincerely trying to help. My father, okay, with, how should we say it, the event of the bringing forth of new life. The problem was, I wasn't watching where I was going. And because of that, I actually became more of a hindrance than a help. We've got to watch. We've got to watch. If we don't watch and we still want to, we still say we want to be a servant of Christ and help Him in the advancement of His kingdom, you're going to be more of a hindrance than a help. It's His way. We follow him according to his way. There's a whole lot out there that's going off of his way. Let's stay true. Even if we are more weird every decade that goes by, it doesn't matter. All that matters is his honor and glory and power and what he says to us when we stand before him. It's one of two things. It's well done or depart from me. It's one of the two. That's it. I didn't make that up. He did. That's his way. Stay on his way. The world is going to pull at you. The devil's, it, we're, we're warned there. He's there to try and wear out the saints. And to wear down the saints and to overcome them. We need each other to encourage one another unto love and good works and to stay on the way. So that's my encouragement. There's no other way but the way of the Lord Jesus. His word, his truth, his life. We get off the way, we're going to miss truth and be confused like 
like all those that are out there, very confused. And we're also going to die. We won't have the life if we choose to get off His way and try to make a way that's more pleasing to me. To try to find somebody to tickle my itching ears and tell me what I want to hear. We heard a dear brother this morning say, if you got anything for me to hear, come and talk to me. I'm, I'm open. I'm teachable. Praise the Lord. That's the kind of heart we all need to have. Because we don't have it all figured out. We need Him day by day, every day. It's a real simple message. Typical Brother Mike, I guess, but I love you. I love you all. So keep going. Man, what we heard this morning. What a blessing. Keep going. Keep looking to, to, to give away Christ, to give away Him to each other. Make yourself dead last. The world will say, no, look out for number one. That's you. No, Jesus didn't do that. He came and poured His life out. Literally, just poured His life out. And He calls us to do the same. It'll be worth it. Let's do that, okay? March on.